Thursday Finance on 2 and URFM. For our sponsor, Pritchard and Partners, Stephen Pritchard joining me, Jane Klein. And today we're going to take a look at investing for your future. We're also going to have our markly, weekly market update with Henry Jennings from the Marcus Today Financial Newsletter and take a look at currency and commodities and a couple of other things as well. And Stephen Pritchard with us for Thursday Finance today. Before we get on to looking at currencies and commodities, Stephen, uh, we did have news last week that there were claims made on council expenses by our Lord Mayor in Newcastle um, to do with childminding expenses. Is that a normal sort of thing if you go away on a on a work trip? Ah, oh, look, I look. There's there's a number of our clients who you know executives and small businesses, and you know it wouldn't be unusual that they'd allow their staff to take their child away with them. But the, the, the person would be responsible for all the expenses. So, you know, it's a personal choice whether you take the child and it's a personal choice. Um, that's everything that flows on there is a personal matter. So if they took the child away with them and they had to employ a babysitter, um, they, they, they'd expect that the, the person pays it. I mean, um, what's the difference from someone being at home? You know, and and the other issue is, of course, that, that hasn't been mentioned is is the fringe benefits tax liability because it, the tax office would say this is a personal expense; it's nothing to do with work related, and they they impose a fringe benefits tax on that um, because it's a, a personal expense the employers paid. So uh, you know, I just think that you know there needs to be a separation of what what really is related to the employment duties or the lowered mayoral duties and personal expenses and the council shouldn't be paying personal expenses just like an employer wouldn't. Let's take a look at um, currencies then and commodities. How are they going? What's um, copper up to today? Copper? Well, copper, copper's down, Jane. It's down oh, marginally. No. So that pile you've got in your backyard's worth $7,791 a tonne compared to $7,824 last week. Um, uh, the gold price was pretty much steady the week, $1,615, which is which is up 0.6% in A dollar terms compared to $1,605 last week. Um, the currency, the, the the Australian dollar was down marginally to 76.78 US cents um, compared to 77.14 last week. Uh, against the Great British Pound, we we're up 1.6% um, to 62 uh, pence compared to 61 pence the previous week. And against the euro, we were down 0.2% um, to uh, 72.78 72 euro cents compared to 72.94 euro cents. Is that making a bit of a difference with the, the British Parliament and House of Lords and so on deciding when or whether Brexit is going to go ahead? Oh, I think Brexit's definitely going ahead. But the, but the interesting thing is the commentators are now turning round. I mean, previously it was all doom and gloom. And now the the, comment, the, the, the commentators are now saying, well, this is going to be positive for um, the UK exiting for Brexit. And I, I suspect it's going to be positive for Australia because prior to, I mean, I remember when I was a child a long time ago, um, when, the, when the UK was joining the common market, um, a lot of Australia's export industries you know, the butter and the apples, particularly from Tasmania, those markets disappeared overnight. So hopefully um, we'll be exporting again to the UK because I can't see the the, the remaining people in the European Union wanting to subsidise exports of butter and apples and oranges to uh, the UK. Um, so, but so 
does that mean we'll be subsidising it? I don't think so. I think we were competitive before. It was okay. just that just that the the export the, the the what are they what do they call it the butter lake or something they've got in the <laughs> butter in mountain the, the butter wine mountain lake. in the EU has been um, all the farmers in the EU are subsidised. Ah yes, yeah, okay. yeah. Mm. So I think it's going to be positive from Australia's point of view. I mean, it can, mm. I don't see what the negatives will be, and uh, they've got a possibility that some more primary production. Markets can be re-exported to the to the UK, and is that reflected in our dollar oh, versus? I don't, I don't the think so at the moment. Okay. Yeah, okay. I mean, um, and the oil ordinaries, uh, the oil ordinaries was uh, was up a slight this morning, but yesterday was a very bad day. Um, five thousand seven hundred fifty points uh, closed at yesterday compared to five thousand eight hundred thirty-two the previous week, which was one point four percent down on the week. Uh, the Standard and Poor's, the S and P five hundred. Uh, was 2,395, um, which was up 1.3% on the week. And the Newcastle share index was 121 compared to 120 the previous week. And the Hang Seng index, which is the Hong Kong index, was 23,776, uh, uh, down 1.4% for the week. And a few stocks that local people seem to be interested in. Um, the big one, of course, is BHP, which is uh, $24.88 compared to $25.84. Um, it was down 3% on the week. Um, there's no particular reason for that. I mean, the results from BHP came out were quite good. There's just been a general falling in the, the whole market in the last week. And, of course, the BHP is a, a kind substantial of the lead, leading of that, stock. Yeah. And... Um, and similar to CBA, eighty-two dollars uh, yesterday compared to eighty-three forty-eight last week, and yeah, that's down one percent on the week. Um, uh, NIB, um, which is local health fund, um, people who kept that on the demutualisation done very well. Um, Five dollars thirty-seven uh, yesterday, and I think it went ex-dividend as well. Um, so compared to five dollars thirty-five. Uh, the previous week, uh, Telstra um, Telstra can continues to drift away down three percent on the week to four dollars sixty four, compared to four dollars eighty two. I mean, there's a lot of concern about what you know, what Telstra's future is. I mean, um, you know, as the MBN comes out, there's easier access to competitors. Um, you know, I know we've had problems with Telstra's, like you know, we don't send out quarterly bills. I mean. It's just, and we had to go into the Telstra shop. We were told they couldn't fix it over the phone, and we had to go in the Telstra shop. And the Telstra shop, we can't fix it here. You got to ring billing, but we can fix it if you wait an hour. You know, it's just hopeless. It's not good business. It's just hopeless. Mm. You know, you got to, you got to these problems. You got to fix them. Yep. And mm. people can't just wait around for an hour. Hmm. Yes. Uh, and people know. have other things. I've got on other their things business yeah, agenda. So they've got mm. someone in keying in at the shop in this notepad thing. Uh, you know. Mm. It'd be better off without getting that person serving. Yes, um, and and the unleaded petrol price. Well, that's good. That was down six percent on the week to a dollar twenty six, um, which still looks expensive to me. A um, dollar mm. thirty four. Um, we've got the Easter holidays coming up in a month or so. We'll. Do you think we're going to see a rise then, Jane? <laughs> uh, it's a perennial question. And uh, the Sydney, the Sydney unleaded petrol price was a dollar twenty-eight, which was actually up from a dollar forty in the previous week. So that was up ten percent in Sydney. So we don't care about that as long as ours <laughs> drops. Um, and the diesel, the diesel fuel price was a dollar eighteen today, and uh, compared to a dollar thirty-four last week, and 
in Sydney it's a dollar twenty one compared to a dollar twenty one last week. Mm. So pretty stable and mm. But that, the the unleaded fuel price is quite volatile. Mm, it seems to be, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. And yeah. as you say, holidays. But, but as a listener told us last week, um, if you drive around, um, there's a couple of service stations on the outer ring of Newcastle that are quite cheap. Yes, keep your eyes open. Thursday Finance, and we will be back with our market update uh, with Henry Jennings, uh, Senior Commentator with the Marcus Today Financial Newsletter in just a moment. Thursday Finance, and time for our weekly market update. Stephen Pritchard with Henry Jennings from the Marcus Today Financial Newsletter. Henry? Stephen, how are you? I'm good. We're uh, the first uh, day of, well, not the first day of autumn, but the first show for autumn. Yes. And the weather's starting to cool down a little bit. The weather has got a little bit of a bite in it. Yes. So, yes, it is refreshing. We've had plenty of rain here. How are you going down there? Uh, we've had some rain, I have to say, but at the moment we're blue skies, as Excellent. is the market. Excellent, yes. Um, so, speaking of blue sky, there's a bit of blue sky down at the board at uh, Bellamy's or some new people after the board <laughs> revolution. and. Uh, yeah, this has been a great sideshow. Yes, um, yes. For the last few weeks, um, Jan Cameron, who uh, founded Kathmandu, the, uh, the retail chain that sells outdoor gear, um, she's been um, hassling the incumbent board for... Uh, Representation. She's got about eighteen uh, percent through a thing called the Black Prince Foundation, which is all all very dramatic. Um, and it came to a head the other day in a very um, what they call an extraordinary general meeting or extraordinary board meeting. Um, and most of the board got rolled, and most of the board has now been replaced by uh, by Cameron's uh, people. A gentleman by the name of Rod Peters uh, has now been installed as chairman. Um, and uh, although Jan Cameron didn't get on the board, she got another member up as well, and the previous chairman's gone. Laura McBain's gone. Um, so yeah, now they've just now got to get the company back on track, mm-hmm. which um, may take somewhat longer than uh, than they thought. But anyway, we'll see. Yeah, I mean it's just bizarre that they'd start discounting against their own distribution channel. I mean, it just <laughs> the, the whole thing's been bizarre. I mean, it's you know it's. It's basically a marketing company. They take other people's product in terms of organic uh, milk powder, um, add a fancy label and try and flog it up into China, um, which, you know, was going really well for a while, but then it all came to a crashing halt. um, And the share price has done the same. It's up over 15 bucks. Now it's $4.40. So, you know, not quite as bad as Slater & Gordon, but um, it just goes to show. Yes, and then what's the? There seems to have been some takeover approach at Wally Parsons, but they never told any of the shareholders. And then the the potential bidders, the share prices continued to drift, and the potential bidder then stepped in and bought a lot of the stock cheap or something. I mean, yeah, this is another bizarre, um, this is another bizarre one, I guess, where the, the board has been made an approach by a group called Dar, which is out of Dubai. Um, in uh, late last year, with with an approach, and um, they basically turned it down and said, no, you know, we're not we're not interested. But they didn't actually put it to shareholders, which we've seen this a number of times with companies where they don't, you know, they don't think these highly conditional uh, bids or uh, highly indicative offers will um, will will get up. So they've they've not really mentioned it. And the company came out with some bad results um, a couple of days ago. And then it was immediately kind of swooped on by this DAR group again, um, offering $10.35, um, having not backed the bid at $11.80. So, 
Um, it is it is bizarre. The stock is now ten dollars thirty, um, and there are some suggestions that Dar will be back. They've got about eighteen percent now of the company, um, but um, but yeah, it has been um, very weirdly managed by the board of, uh, of Wally, who you would think if they had an eleven dollar eighty bid from uh, from the group last year, they would have mentioned something to somebody. They should have at least come out and said that we, you know, we've had a highly conditional, highly indicative, non-binding, you know, yeah, yeah, basically yeah, back of an envelope, yeah, had yeah. a drink, and the bloke said, hey, what about this kind of approach? Um, but they, they mentioned nothing and then produced bad results, and now have let these guys in on the register at a much uh, discounted yeah. share price. So it uh, seems a bit bizarre. Mm. And then... Harvey Norman's come out with a, a, a record half-year profit of $76 million. And didn't this, do them any good, though, did it? <laughs> no, no, but the dairy farm business seems to have... Didn't, I couldn't find a mention of that anywhere. I think I think it's safe to conclude that that was an experiment that went... Um, it's been best went, forgotten. <laughs> best forgotten, really, I think that's that. But, yeah, Jerry, uh, Jerry Harvey, who has no um, great love, I guess, for the stock market, apart from retail investors, certainly not for, uh, for analysts, uh, came out with some record-breaking figures and then um, sort of refused to have an analyst briefing and got stuck into short sellers. And you know, mm-hmm. he's, he's an abrasive character at the best of times and you either love him or you hate him. Mm-hmm. He's done a fantastic job for shareholders over the years. Um, but the, but the, um, the company was rewarded after these record numbers with a massive drop um, from sort of around 5.12 down to 4.85, that's the stip where they're still languishing. So hasn't really helped the share price, I have to say, but um, it's certainly, um, no, I think they were good results, and he got a bit hard done by, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And also, fashion, especially Fashion Group, came out with kind of reasonable results, but the, the share price dropped uh, because the proposed takeover might now not be on. Yeah, the, um, the, this is another one with, a, I guess, not quite as bizarre as Wall is, but... Yeah, uh, yeah. But certainly it has its share of bizarreness in terms of uh, what's happening. But uh, they had a bid there for uh, for the company from a group called uh, Al Alfia, which is a, another Middle East uh, group. And these guys these guys seem to have a bit of an appetite for Australian companies mm. at the moment. Um, I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing. But um, there is some questions now about the funding as the uh, the patriarch, I guess. Uh, well, the father of the uh, the sole shareholder of Al Alfia uh, has died suddenly, um, and unfortunately, that has thrown things into question in terms of the funding. As now there's probate involved, so the company has warned um, that maybe um, it will drag on. Maybe it won't even happen. But um, yeah, that would be a bit of a shame. They had had a bid around, uh, I think it was around seventy cents from memory. Company trading at around sixty cents at the moment. Um, yeah, so we might just come back in a moment and talk about a uh, previous private equity flight and see how it's going. And to a new RFM, it is Thursday Finance and Stephen Pritchard, our market update with Henry Jennings. Henry, um, Spotless, which was a, a private equity flight, what, two years ago, mm. if that, um, yeah, it's come so. out with a massive great big loss. Uh, yeah having to write down $423 million off the value of their assets. Yeah, maybe we should change the name from Spotless to Stained. Um, <laughs> this, this one very much um, Stained. They did come out with, a, uh, I guess, a strategy reset, as they call it. The interim dividend was cut uh, from 35 to 
And as you rightly point out, there was a massive uh, write-down on some of their existing assets, which was not a good look. And I guess it once again, it highlights that um, you know, you've got to be a little bit careful when you're buying off these private equity guys. They, they don't, you know, they, they tend to try and squeeze every last drop um, out of uh, a company and, and only really divest either if they have to because something else is so um, extraordinarily attractive that they have no choice and they have no more money or, or they're trying to just um, mm-hmm. get out at exactly the right time. So you've just got to be a little bit, um, a little bit wary of it. The share price in Spotless has been heading down, 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 deeper and down uh, for some time. It has bounced today, but it's, you know, it's now sort of around 80 cents uh, where it was, uh, you know, well, 95 before the announcement. So it had not, not been too much fun. Well, can you remember what it floated at? Um, no. It was dollars. It was... Yeah, it was dollars of, I'd, I'd say, yeah. around 180 something yeah, yeah, like that. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. yeah. So I just find it amazing that he can manage to write a $423 million in a couple of years. I mean. Yeah, it's, um, it's, yeah. It's, it's actually small fry when you look at how much Slater and Gordon have ripped up oh, in the yeah, UK. Yeah, they, that's right, they've that's written right. off 1.3 billion, I think, over the last uh, year yeah, or so. Yeah. Um, to, so that the shares are almost, uh, well, they are almost worthless. Yes. Um, you know, it was once one of the blue chips mm-hmm. of the market. Now it has become a penny mm-hmm. dreadful. Mm-hmm. But in perspective, it's up 34% today, mm-hmm. um, which is two and a half cents. Yes. It's well, now down to nine and a half cents. Good day for, spot, uh, for Slater and Gordon. And, and uh, there was a rumour going around that Fortescue was going to uh, use some of their excess cash to buy West Farmers coal assets, but they've they've now said that that's not on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess that the Fortescue are awash with cash. They have more cash. They know what to do with it. Every, you know, iron ore is stubbornly staying above 90 bucks a tonne. Um, Fortescue is a very low-cost producer now and is doing very well. And the, and the risk, I guess, for Fortescue... What the market doesn't want to see is them diversifying away from their knitting. Yeah. Um, you could argue, I guess, that coal is sticking with their their knitting in terms of digging stuff up, putting it on a truck, putting it in a port, and sending it to China. Um, but I guess there's there's somewhat more complications than that. Um, the company came out very very quickly after this media report um, and said, um, no, we're going to concentrate on debt reduction and capital management, which is what the market wanted to hear. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's all about getting that debt down for Fortescue. And when it's got rid of that debt, and it probably will this year, um, it will just be generating so much cash, um, Twiggy won't know what to do with himself. Well, they can pay it out to dividends, and shareholders can then decide if they want to invest in a coal company. Well, that, that's exactly right. It can give those, uh, those shareholders that choice. But it, what it will mean, I guess, is it does become a, a very high dividend-paying stock, and you're going to get to the situation where it's actually a yield play. Mm. And uh, we've got a few things happening in the banks. I mean, CBA's come out and said they've employed an expert and said there was no systemic issues with denying all those insurance claims. And no, no, always, always good if you employ your own expert to be yes. independent and yeah. pay him. And then there was the accusation that he didn't actually, or the, the expert report didn't actually interview any of the people involved in any of the claims. They just went off the files. They didn't actually sit down with real people, which you would have thought would have been quite sensible. Um, so, you know, Common Shore still has mm. a bit of a, um, yeah. a sour taste about well, it, but, you know, that's not holding the bank share price back at the, at the moment, nor, you know, Westpac have got a fight as well. Yeah, Westpac's having a fun with ASIC. loan breaches, um, which, again, you know, ASIC says they're looking at, uh, at the banks in terms of how 
how they lend money and whether they are lending money to people that really can't afford to have a home loan. But uh, again, you know, that's not really hurting the banks at the moment. It's, um, you know, the sector is going high. It does help, of course, when you have the Dow above 21,000, which... uh, which we've seen, which is extraordinary. But that's another story altogether. And, and of course, Mike Baird's now been appointed Chief Customer Officer at Corporate and International Banking, which is in, I've never quite heard that title before at uh, no, National no, Australia he, Bank. He did well, didn't he? Well, yeah. he did work for NABS for some time yeah. before leaving uh, and going to uh, investment banking. And now he's back at NABS with a nice big salary. It only took him two months or six weeks, actually, yeah, um, yeah. to find himself another gig. So... Um, there's certainly some questions over the um, the speed in which he uh, you know he's he's taken that position, um, especially given the reasons for his uh, resignation as Premier of New South Wales, would spend more time with his family, yes. um, with mm. his with some of his family members that are that are sick. Yes. Um, obviously, you know, six weeks was. They've recovered. They've recovered. It obviously wasn't. What was that? Um, Call promise the, or something. The, 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 the rumoured two million dollar pay packet is going to going to going to help in his uh, his retirement from politics. Yes, yeah. and mm. Anton Tagliaferro yes. has come out and said bank stocks are all overrated. Yeah, well, it's it's that time of year, isn't it? I mean, we 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 get every now and then someone wants to in the papers and decides that you know, banks are expensive or banks are cheap. They do make up thirty percent of our market, so it's hardly surprising he has questioned the banks um, in terms of their growth profile and you have to say you know that they're not exactly the most um, growing and, and wonderful uh, you know growth opportunities in our market um, they are very stable and they're all trying to feed off the same uh, I guess either investor or, or home buyer or whatever so um, it is highly competitive but rising interest rates around the world is thought to help the banks certainly in the US the US banking sector went mental again last night up around three percent. Um, our banks are following and they're grinding higher. The, the key to our banks has always been you know, that everyone loves them for their dividends, but there was a concern they would have to raise further capital, and there were lots of figures, you know, 20, 30 billion banded around. Um, but certainly in the new post-Trump elected era, um, you know, the, the banking rules and the Basel IV rules and regulations seem to be changing more in favour of the banks, which mm-hmm. is a positive for the sector, as it means they won't have to raise that 20 billion which is something we've been saying for a long long time yes yes so, so we'll be hearing from you again next week henry but if any be. if anyone wants uh, your comments in the meantime how do they go about that they can log on to marcustoday.com.au and sign up for a two-week free trial don't need a credit card or anything and and see all the wonderful gems that we have to talk about on the market is your picture there um i think it is i think yeah, it is was I'm, last I think time i'm I had the ugly one when was the last time I had a look? Anyhow. Yeah, well, I think I'm the ugly one. So they can see your picture or listen to you on us. Okay. <laughs> I can indeed. Thanks, Henry. Thank Have a great week. Thanks. Henry Jennings, Senior Commentator with the Marcus Today Financial Newsletter. Thursday Finance for our sponsor, Pritchard and Partners. And Stephen Pritchard, we do need to think ahead when we're investing. And our future is, of course, what we invest for. Yeah, well, I mean, I think that one of the big issues that these people say, well, they want to invest for the future or want to invest for something, but the, 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 it's all a kind of nebulous thing. And I think what you nearly do need to do is to actually have a goal and, and visualise what you 
what you want to actually invest for and what the reasons are. Now, some of the things are people, you know, talk about wanting to go on these dream holidays or the overseas holidays, but they've never got enough money to do it. That's, um, that's okay as a goal? That's okay as a goal. Everyone's okay. going to have different goals. You know, how you see yourself in retirement. Do you see yourself at retirement living in the the old age pension and, and, and you know, surviving on that? Or do you see yourself um, going on various trips whether to in a caravan or overseas or whatever uh, perhaps you want a new car or a holiday home I mean all people people's all goals are, are different but I can tell you now if you if you just just don't do anything you will never get there so you need to start thinking about what you want to achieve and then once you once you've established what you want to achieve, um, you need to start thinking about a plan of how to get there. So you need to sit down and, and do a plan and how to get there. And if, if you can't do that yourself, there's plenty of people who can assist you with that. Now, the, the plan needs to cover various things about um, what, what, your, what your goals are. So that's the first step, and that's a big step, actually documenting those. Um, how long you've got to achieve them, I mean... You know, if you want to go on a holiday in five years, it's probably um, easier to achieve if this holiday is going to cost you $30,000 in five years. It's easier to achieve than say I want to go on a holiday at Christmas and it's going to cost $30,000. So you have to have a time frame on these goals. And, and then you need to consider about what changes you need to make um, to get there. Now, getting back to what we've talked about before, I mean, if you wanted to go on a holiday in five years and it was going to cost $5,000, all you have to do is save the equivalent of one cappuccino coffee a day. Oh, that's easy, isn't it? And you'll get there. If so that'll save, you 20, that'll save you $1,000 a year. In five years, you'll have the $5,000. Okay. So if this holiday to the US or, or, you know, wherever you want to go is going to cost you $5,000 and you break it down to these small steps... It doesn't seem as daunting as, you know, I can guarantee if you don't do anything, in five years, you still won't have the $5,000. <laughs> of course, 5000 is a fairly modest amount for a holiday in five years' time, isn't it? Ah, true, but but it's the same. It's, it's the, the same, same type, principle. It's the same principle. Yeah. I mean, two cappuccinos a day will give you, which which is uh, $10 a day, will get you your $10,000 in five years. Okay. Yeah. So, so you know, instead of going out for lunch um, and spending, you know, it would be very difficult to get lunch for $10 now, I'd imagine. Um, instead of spending $10 for lunch, um, bring it from home. So, so you can make small changes like that will we'll soon add up over time. And of course, the, you know, there's a lot of people, you know, when you, we have people come in and, you know, we've got no money. And when you sit down and get them, make them sit down, this is the hardest bit, make them sit down and do a budget, they invariably add up where they're, where they're time after time, and I see this, they add up where their money's being spent and how much there's getting in. And there's this big surplus at the end, but it's not over in the bank account. Right, so where is it? Yeah, that's another thing that needs chasing. That's right. <laughs> what do you do? You know, that's yeah. right. I mean, you know, they, they go to the grocery shop and, and, you know, we're going to buy, you know, $100 worth of stuff and we come out with 150 because at the front of the counter they've got this on special and that on special. And, you know, so you need to be a bit disciplined and work towards the goal. Now, the other thing is, so we're working towards getting this financial plan. So, you know, you, you need to 
probably cover your retirement aspects, where do you want to retire, um, you know, these other things you want to achieve. The longer the time frame you've got, um, the easier things usually are to achieve. And then you need to review, you need to review um, your goals along the way as your life changes. So life does sometimes change in ways that you just don't foresee. Yeah, I mean, you, you could have, um, you could have um, some children come along and then you decide that um, a number of parents like to put money aside for their, particularly I find the daughters, not so much the son's wedding, but the daughters, they want to put some money aside for the daughter's wedding. Um, you might say that's sex, but it's still, that's what happens. Yes. Uh, and, and, and weddings, you know, weddings are horrendously expensive these days. Yes, I think, uh, yes. Yeah, um, you know, so there's goals change. Grandchildren come along. Um, the grandparents decide they want some extra money to give to the grandchildren when they're 21. And, you know, it doesn't take that much money each week if you've got a long-term savings plan to get that. Um, someone might inherit some money, some unexpected inheritances. Um, you might have a lottery a lottery win. So you need to keep up to financial plan and your goals as your times change. And that needs to be reviewed just like you will periodically. So what sort of time would be a good period? Well, I would have thought you need to look at reviewing your financial plan, you know, once a year. Yeah. Um, yeah, even if that's even if that's a case of, you know, we want this ten thousand dollars to go on a holiday in five years, um, at the end of the first year have we got our two thousand dollars? You know. And if we haven't got our two thousand dollars, we've got to catch up over the next um four years. Just some simple things like that. Because if you let it drift off you you want you you'll never get there. Yeah. Okay. So it does take a little bit of discipline as well, doesn't it? Yeah, but not as much as you think. Once you once you once you once you get in the habit. I mean, as I've said before, the easiest way to save money is 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 most salaries are paid in electronically to your account. Open a separate account. Um, put ten. Get your employer to put ten percent of your salary straight into this other account. Um, preferably one with a passbook or definitely not linked to your your, your electronic, so it's harder to access. Yeah, it'll be a bit difficult for the first month, but after the first month, you won't even notice you're 10% short. Tell me, is it easier than a diet? Uh, I struggle with those. <laughs> so, yes, <laughs> listen to the finance man. So he I've says got, it's I've, I've got my easy. food diary back again. <laughs> and um, I find, but once again, I find if I put it in the food diary, I stick to it because you get guilty about, <laughs> oh, well I can't done. put this extra... There's 310 kilojoules in a cappuccino, so you, you, know, you don't want to put this extra cappuccino in there. Okay. It's the same thing. It's, it's the, the same, same thing. It's the same thing. Just yeah. have discipline or just keep an eye on it. Well, and that's Thursday Finance for today. Thank you, Stephen Pritchard. Thanks, Jane. And we'll be back next Thursday after the midday news on 2NURFM. Uh, coming up is the news at to one o'clock and that's in two minutes time and after that business the law and you with julian campbell will be along catch this on podcast as well